0: You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. Well, 2020 has been a difficult year, to say the least, and I'm sure all of us have kind of processed it a little bit differently. Um, no doubt, in this room, I think if we were to go around and share kind of the different emotions that we've all experienced, you would fear, you would hear about fear. Um, you'd also hear about frustration. Um, you'd hear anxiety, but you'd probably also hear anger, um, discouragement, despair. Um, I mean, I think the whole range of emotions this year um, have been experienced if you would go around the room and talk about it together because, you know, some some are, are genuinely concerned and some are just frustrated and angry and, and some are in the middle and they don't know what to think and um, not knowing what's going to happen next or or, or what's going to be maybe taken away or what whatever could happen in the future is causing a lot of feelings. And what's, what's interesting, the, the, the truth that we need to know about in a year like this year is that God in his sovereignty could have ended history before 2020. You ever thought about that? Like God could have said, all right, it's done. Let's wrap things up. Let's usher in the new creation. Jesus, it's time. Like he could have ended it all. But he let us go through 2020 with all of its pain and its difficulty. And he's not the author of sin. He's not the author of any evil that we experience. But we do know that he is in complete control of it. That nothing happens in our lives that doesn't pass through his loving and tender hands. Which I'll tell you, when you're in the pit of despair, when you're in darkness, it's truths like that that will be a rock for you. That will strengthen you. All right. And and so why in the world did God allow this year to happen? Why didn't he just wrap things up beforehand? Well, because he had a purpose for it. And so the question I want you to consider as we kind of go through this text and we look at how important suffering is as a Christian. I want you to consider um, why did God allow us to go through 2020? And more specifically, why did God allow you to go through 2020? What was his purpose? What was was his plan? What was he trying to use this year to accomplish in your life? And as we kind of come towards the end of it and kind of look forward to a new year, maybe with a little bit of hope, maybe, man, like, oh, hopefully that it's not like this year, right? But as we kind of come to the end of this year, I want you to consider what did God want to accomplish through this year in my life? And even even if you feel like you you weren't able to use it uh, for his glory, maybe you didn't feel like you did. Um, take advantage of some of the things that he was trying to teach you through this. Even now, as you reflect back, you can learn from this year. You can ask, what was he trying to teach me? What was he um, trying to grow me through this year? Okay. And in our study of 1 Peter, up to this point, we've seen that suffering is a major theme throughout. From the beginning to here, we've seen it's like um, this thread that weaves through the entire book. And as we get to the text today, we get to kind of Kind of pause on that theme and really spend some time and look at what suffering is doing. And I think Peter's going to help us today with three mindsets regarding suffering in this life. Now, sometimes when you hear suffering, you think of the big things like cancer or sickness or a global pandemic or something like that. But I think we should see suffering as any type of suffering we experience in this broken world, whether it's a headache, whether it's a flat tire, Or whether it is something that we would consider as large and big. What should be our mindset as we go through suffering as Christians? And I think Peter's going to give us three things. He's going to say we should expect it. We should rejoice in it, which, wow, that's tough. We'll park there for a little bit. But we should also trust God in it. And so let's start in verse 12 and look at that first mindset Peter wants his readers and by in turn us to have in suffering. First of all, we should expect suffering. Look at verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised. <laughs> What's he saying? Expect it. Do not be surprised. Don't let it take you off guard. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial. When it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> what? Isn't that our mindset? Like when, so, when trials come, isn't it like this is strange, this is different, I don't like this, I'm sh- surprised by this, I'm shocked by this. And he's like, oh no, don't be surprised. Expect it. Don't, don't when you get in a trial, don't think, man, this is strange, this is different. Like we, we keep talking about the new normal, but like what he's saying is part of being in the normal, normal for Christian is suffering. But you're like, man, that is, that's not encouraging to hear, right? But it is because expectations are so key to our contentment. And here's what I mean. Have you ever had a different expectation? Those of you who are married in this room, um, have you ever had a different expectation about how something was going to go than your spouse had? And maybe there was some conflict there. Now, Shannon and I, we never fight, right? We have a perfect marriage. But sometimes we get in uh, discussions that are maybe a little bit louder, you could say, right? And a lot of times those discussions um, or fights, right, Um, are because I had an expectation that I thought this was going to happen. And she had a different expectation. And we went into that with completely opposing expectations, and, and that kind of rubs you the wrong way. And it kind of throws you off. It kind of shocks you. And it can kind of tank your contentment in that moment. Because you, you had this picture in your head of how it was going to go. And what Peter is saying here is this picture in your head that you're not going to go through hard times. Or that suffering is not going to happen. Um, or that suffering is, is strange. Get that picture out of your head. <laughs> Instead, expect suffering. Like today, expect something to go wrong. Not in a pessimistic way, not with a dark cloud over your head, but just know that we live in a broken world, a sin-cursed world, and we should expect suffering. No, that doesn't mean when it comes, we're not a little bit maybe thrown off by it, but we should kind of go back to our base. This is part of what it means to live in a broken world. And guess what? As a Christian, I have a different perspective than a non-Christian. Everybody goes through suffering. But as Christians, we know that that suffering passed through our Father's loving hand for a purpose, which we're going to get into in a moment. But how would your week change if you just expect, you know what, this week I'm probably going to bump into some difficulty. I'm probably going to go through some hard times. I'm probably going to get some disappointing news. This, this isn't, hear me, this is not pessimism. This is not Eeyore walking around just moping and complaining the whole time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying realistic expectations, especially when we hear it right from the word of God. Do not be surprised. Expect suffering. So how do we prepare um, so that when that suffering comes, um, how how do we get ready for it so that when it happens, we're not thrown off? We're not shocked. Well, I think there's a few things right in this verse um, that can help us. First of all, we remember that we're beloved. I love that he, he starts this topic on suffering by once again saying, Beloved, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that despair, in the midst of that fiery trial. Don't forget who you are. You're beloved. You're loved by God. It can be easy in the midst of a trial to feel as if God has abandoned us, to feel as if He doesn't love us. But notice Peter says, You're beloved. You're loved by God. Those of us in this room and those of us listening um, who have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, we are beloved by God. And so in the midst of that trial, don't allow that trial to make you forget that you're loved. And so as you go into trials this week, don't forget who you are. Don't forget how much God loves you. Another, I think, mindset that can help us prepare is that we should remember what God is doing in the suffering. He's testing us, right? Do not be surprised at the of trial when it comes upon you to what? To test you. It's a test. And so we should pause. In the moment of that, maybe we're spiraling out about whatever that suffering is. Just pause for a second. What should I learn through this? How can I grow through this? What is God doing through this difficulty? Peter says, don't be surprised when it comes upon you to test you. This reminds us of chapter 1. If you remember, he said in in chapter 1, 6 and 7, he said, though now for a little while. Remember, we kind of paused on that and said, a little while, Peter, you don't know how long I've suffered. You're calling it little, but in the light of eternity, it is little, right? It's small. Years and years and years of suffering in this life are just a little while compared to eternity. I've quoted this before. I think it was C.S. Lewis. He said, all the suffering... In this life when we get to heaven when we get to the new creation all that suffering is going to be like one night in a bad motel Some of you've experienced that right we we certainly have on some trips that the pictures looked a lot better than the room we actually got in and it's like two in the morning so we're stuck right we're gonna like okay let's lay out our clothes from our suitcase and just like lay flat like don't move right like i mean you've been in some bad motels and and but the next day you get over it it was just a little while What is he saying there? He's saying suffering tests us. It purifies us. It reminds us of what matters in this life. And it's often um, suffering that enables us to draw closer to God. Right? But if we're not expecting suffering, a lot of times it'll knock us down. Completely take us off guard. And so we prepare for suffering right in this verse by remembering we're beloved. We're loved by God. And by remembering that this loving God who loves us more than we can comprehend wants to test us through difficulty because he loves us. From the big things like cancer and the loss of a loved one to the smaller things like a flat tire or even that annoying runny nose. Right? Like this this, this—it's so annoying. It's frustrating. Even those moments God can use to test and to strengthen our faith. Those of you who are into physical exercise know that for you to grow um, your muscles or to get better, you have to test them, right? I can't go in the weight room and get two pound weights and just do this all day and expect anything to happen. There's got to be some resistance. And in a similar way, God loves us enough to not just give us all that we want. Have you ever seen that really, really spoiled kid? They're like, is really, really annoying. I don't think there's any in here, so we're good, right? That I know of, right? Why are they, why are they the way they are? Like, Pretty much you're like, oh, like your whole generation, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, kind of, right? But why, why are they the way they are? Because they got a trophy for participating, right? right? Like they got awarded for doing nothing. And, and that doesn't test you. That doesn't grow you. That doesn't build character. And in sports, you need resistance. In life, you need resistance. And in the Christian life, we need resistance to test us, to strengthen us. So the first mindset we ought to have with suffering is that we should just expect it. Don't be surprised. Don't act like this is strange. This is part of life. All right. Secondly, we should rejoice in suffering. This is the one that's hard. Okay. I could expect it. That's easy enough. That might help a little bit, but rejoice in it. Verse 13, rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's suffering. You may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But again, another theme he kind of picks up on again and again and again. And he says, don't be that guy that brings suffering upon himself. Right. Like, don't don't go out and look for it. Don't invite it. Okay, so he says, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Don't don't go bringing suffering upon yourself. Okay, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed But let him glorify God in that name. We see here, um, Peter, again, kind of gives us two things to consider to help us rejoice in our suffering. And the first is we recognize the privilege of suffering for Christ. Right? Rejoice in the fact that you get to share in your Savior's sufferings. We joked last week that um, we we have this cross on the wall and we wear crosses around our necks and we have crosses on the windows and they're kind of, Decorative things for us, but um, really in the first century, that was um, an execution device. So it'd be like, hey, we're going to get rid of these decals and put some uh, electric chairs on the windows for when you come in. I think it'll be a really nice vibe, right? Like, oh, what's that necklace? That's an electric chair. Like, oh, that's a noose. Like you would think that's weird, but now we celebrate this, but don't forget what this is. It's an emblem of suffering and death. One of the most vicious forms of death ever invented by humankind. The cross, where a person was stretched out naked in front of a crowd and nailed to it and mocked and beaten and whipped and insulted. That's our logo, like as Christians. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we, who follow a suffering Savior, also end up suffering. And we should also rejoice. Man, if God... Suffered like that. What a, what a privilege it is for me to suffer for him. And Peter wasn't just in an office, like writing this out and sending it out and saying, yeah, rejoice in your suffering. Like, no, he experienced this, right? In Acts 5, we see him doing the very same thing. He actually got um, jailed and beaten for preaching about Jesus. And in Acts 5, look at what they do, the apostles. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day and in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Do you see their perspective? The Lord of glory was willing to come and suffer for me. What a privilege it is to be counted worthy to suffer for him. So that's one reason you can rejoice. But second, you can rejoice because of the blessing that comes through suffering. What do you mean by that well Peter reminds these believers that it's actually suffering that brings the Holy Spirit in their life in a very unique way he says the spirit of glory kind of rests upon you in that suffering and I can say in my own life that the times where I really got closer to the Lord and and had more intimacy in my life with God was in the difficult times it's sad but it seems like in the good times we kind of we're doing fine right our prayer life seems to dwindle and so we should rejoice in suffering because, man, this brought me closer to God. There have been times in my life where I've prayed, Lord, would you, would you help me um, to, to pray more, to be more intimate with you, to have more of a desire for you? And like a few weeks later, I just go through this massive trial. And I'm like, God, why did this happen? And, oh, it's so hard, right? I'm, I'm not expecting it, right? And, and in that moment, all of a sudden it clicks. Like, this is an answer to prayer. Because it brought me closer to Him. Those of you who have walked through the valley know what Peter's talking about here. You know about those dark times where suffering brought you closer to God. And so this should lead us to not be ashamed when we suffer, but to instead glorify God in that name. Right? Don't go out looking for suffering. Don't cause suffering by being um, the word we've been using often in this series is by being an idiot. Right? Like That's not a good reason to go suffer. But if you suffer for being a Christian... If you suffer for standing for God, you should glorify God in that. Rejoice. We've been counted worthy to suffer with Christ. What a privilege. And so we expect suffering. We rejoice in suffering. And lastly, we should trust God in suffering. Verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Here, Peter is explaining that God judges his people in a purifying way through suffering. He's not punishing them. He's cleansing them. And as a good father, he knows what we need to be purified and be cleansed. And he knows the exact type of suffering we need for that to happen. However, it is not uncommon for Christians, and maybe you've experienced this, I've experienced this, it is not uncommon for Christians to look at the relative ease of non-Christians and kind of wonder, did we get the short end of the stick here? Like, like, look how easy their life is. Look how easy things is for them. Why am I going through this? Is it worth it? And Peter wants to combat that perspective by reminding them that unbelievers are going to be judged too. Don't forget that. God's keeping track. He quotes from the Proverbs... And he makes the argument that if the righteous are saved through this much difficulty in life, how much worse will it be for the unrighteous? For the one who turned their back on God, for the one who rejected the offer of the gospel, for the one who went on in their sin and just completely disregarded God's grace. He said, so don't don't get in your head about the unbelievers who are kind of going through life cruising and nothing's happening when you're in the trials of Christian." You're loved by God. He's purifying you. He's cleansing you. And there is a day coming where they will be judged as well. And so we keep trusting God. This is why I'm pleading with with you every week, because look, I do not know your soul. I do not know the souls who are watching on the camera. I I can't see your heart. We can see some fruit in certain of your lives that that God's grace has certainly um, affected you and impacted you. But for the most part, I don't know your actual spiritual condition. And so each week I'm pleading with you. Have you had a time where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? From the oldest in here to the youngest, have you had a time where you've recognized that in your own natural state, if you stand before God and you are judged for your life, you will be found guilty and condemned. And the only escape from that is what Jesus Christ did for you. I'm pleading, with, I try to use illustrations, I try to share every week that you can trust Jesus. But listen, judgment is coming for everyone in this room. And only those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ will find that there's no condemnation. Everyone else will be judged. Amen. And so are you ready? Have you had a time where you've called out to God and said, God, would you save me? If, if there's nothing more important than that this morning than to make sure you've had a time where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's that's where it begins. And that's where you go every single day after that by trusting Jesus. Peter continues in verse 19 and he says this, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. Did you notice that suffering is on the itinerary for Christians? It's according to God's will. Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Does that ring any bells from maybe previously in our study? Remember when he pointed to Jesus? What did Jesus do when he was experiencing unjust suffering in his life? It says he just kept entrusting himself again to the judge who judges justly. He knew who was on the throne. He knew who was going to judge the world. And so he just kept entrusting himself. He just kept entrusting the situation. He kept entrusting that trial to the Lord. I love what Tom Schreiner says about this. He says, this verse, speaking of verse 19, this verse encapsulates the message of 1 Peter. So if, you, if you're into highlighting or underlining or circling, circle this verse. Okay, this verse encapsulates the message of 1 Peter. Believers suffer in accord with the will of God, for he rules over everything that happens to them. Okay, this is a key theme in the book. As the sovereign creator, God is also loving and faithful. Therefore, they should entrust their lives entirely to him, just as Jesus did when he suffered. Such trust manifests itself in doing what is good, even in the suffering. We keep entrusting, we keep doing good. We keep entrusting and we keep serving God, keep glorifying God in our lives. This This is so key in the suffering. We remember God is just, he's loving and he's just. And I'm just going to entrust this situation that I feel maybe is unjust. I feel like I got the short end here. I feel like other people in my life don't go through this. God is just. I'm going to keep entrusting it to him. And this trust will lead you to just keep giving that over to him. And then you keep serving and doing good, even in the midst of that trial that you may be facing. So what should a Christian's perspective be towards suffering? We should expect it. We should rejoice in it. And we should keep trusting God in the midst of it. As we close today, I want to leave you with this. Don't waste your suffering. I asked in the beginning, what was the purpose of 2020? Why did God allow you personally to go through this? There was a reason. It wasn't arbitrary. It wasn't random. And so don't waste it. What does God want you to learn through this year? What does God want you to learn through the suffering? The next trial you go through, how can you you use that trial as a test like God wants to use it in your life to grow, to be strengthened? It's a weird phrase, right? Don't waste your suffering, but it's a great phrase. Don't waste that opportunity to grow, to strengthen, to get closer to God, to have more intimate fellowship with Him. Don't waste it. I want to close with a story about a girl named... Johnny Erickson Tata. some of you have heard of her, you've read her books, Um, she has a really incredible ministry, but shortly after high school, she actually had a diving accident, Um, she was out with her sister, and it was kind of a freak thing, She, she was very athletic, but she dove in, the water was more shallow than she realized, and she became a quadriplegic, lost the use of her hands, was in a wheelchair the rest of her life, this bright future ahead of her College ahead of her, sports ahead of her, and now all that was changed. She said that paralysis sunk her into a deep depression that she actually still struggles with today. But on the 50th anniversary of her accident, she shared some reflections on those 50 years of suffering that probably none of us in this room have experienced. And she said this, I really would rather be in this wheelchair, knowing Jesus as I do, than be on my feet without him. Isn't that powerful? She went on to say that suffering is what helped shape Christ's character in her life. Suffering taught her patience. Suffering refined her faith like gold. It gave her a lively hope of heaven. Like when you're in a wheelchair and you're in pain and you, you don't have the use of your hands, there's nothing like that that's going to make you long for heaven, right? And, and for her, it made heaven so real. Something she was looking forward to. It revealed the areas of growth in her life and so much more. But when she reflected more on her life, she said there were 10 words that completely changed her life. I want you to hear this. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. What is she saying? She's saying God allowed that diving accident to happen. Right? Right? If he's sovereign over the dust particles in the air, he's sovereign over a diving accident. He could have stopped it. But he permits what he hates. He didn't like seeing that. He didn't like seeing the suffering that she experienced. He didn't like seeing the depression that that caused, but he knew what it would do in her life something that he loved. Something that he would see growth in her character. He would see her become more like Christ. He would see her go on to start this ministry where she would help other people with disabilities in remarkable ways all over the world. She's written books. She's done articles. She's done um, speeches on this. And it's helped so many Christians who are suffering. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Can I just say, God does not take pleasure in your pain. He doesn't take pleasure in your suffering. He weeps with you. What did Jesus do when he went to the funeral of a friend that he knew he was about to raise? Like he knew how it ended. But he's so overwhelmed by grief in that moment as he saw those whom he loved suffering that he wept with them. The God of heaven, who created all things, wept tears when he saw the people he loved suffer. Please know that in your suffering, yes, God may be testing you. Yes, God has a reason for it. Yes, God has a plan for it. But he's weeping alongside you. He hates it. He hates sin. He hates the curse. He hates the, the, the things that we go through in this broken world. This was not part of his design. But God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And I think that's the mindset we can walk away with today. So that we don't waste our suffering. Don't walk away thinking that all the trial this week that I go through is just arbitrary or random or, or God just has a hammer wanting to hit me. That's that's just not the case. He allowed that suffering in your life and he doesn't want it. You don't want to see your kid go through pain. But God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. So don't waste your suffering. It's a tool that God uses to shape you and prepare you for eternity. Don't be shocked by it. Don't let it bring you to despair or tempt you to quit. Suffer well, knowing that God is using it to prepare an eternal weight of glory. Don't waste your suffering. Let God use it in your life for his glory.